I would have never thought that I valued popularity until I realized that I'm keeping myself in alignment with certain ideas, certain ideologies even, because I'm valuing popularity over truth. And that was one of the first times that I realized that, you know what, the term values is not just about the corporate world or something that's on a company page. It is actually the foundation of who I am as a human being, because if I don't really know what I'm standing for, then everything that's outside of me is always going to influence the decisions that I make, the person that I choose to be with, the friends that I choose to be a part of, the kind of company that I start. And I hadn't even realized just how much I was being swayed by the external until I found it very difficult to even articulate to people what it is that I truly care about. Do I believe in this thing? I'm Emily McDowell. And I am Holly Whitaker. And this is Quitted, a podcast about quitting. Welcome, everyone. <laughs> um... <laughs> I'm someday I'm going to get someday I'm going to get better at this. I promise. Um. <laughs> I had a I had a, on a dating app. I had some someone wrote and it was so smooth. It was like, oh, God, what did it say? Emotionally mature and socially immature. And I really appreciated that distinction. I don't know why I just thought of that right now. But um, <laughs> do you I mean, was it something? Me. Is it looking at my face through the screen? And you're, <laughs> no, you no, know? no. I was thinking about me because I am socially immature. Like I still find farts funny and stuff, but I'm emotionally mature. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. I think yeah. I am. I think I am the same. Yeah, I have two 15 year old stepchildren <laughs> who are who are identical twins, and their dad who is my partner, is um, emotionally mature and socially immature. And mm-hmm. the other mm-hmm. night they were they were at a sleepover and their mom, his ex-wife, texts us both and says, what's up with Ollie FaceTiming me at 3 a.m.? Ollie is the kid. He FaceTimed mm-hmm. me at 3 a.m. Like, what the fuck? And I was like, oh, my God, they were at a sleepover. It was probably a dare. Sorry. And Daniel goes, like, laughing emoji i guess he owes me five bucks <laughs> and we were like <laughs> daniel <laughs> and i actually thought for a second that he legitimately dared his 15 year old child to facetime his mom at three in the three morning. morning and i was like because it's not that far off and he was like no i would never like he was just he was messing but with he us might. but he <laughs> but he might like there was a there was a part of me that yes. believed it and i was like and he was just like you know, part of me is offended that you would believe that I would do that. And part of me is like, yeah, that adds up. Like, I get why you would, I mean, why you would think that. And I think like when I think of Daniel, I think of like somebody that is just like has that childlike wonder. And I think that that's kind of what encapsulates it, which is just I still like I just don't mm-hmm. take myself that seriously. And I don't think I ever will be able to. So anyway. Anyway, this is the second half of our conversation with Africa Brooke. And this one, this this part of the conversation really focuses on values, which to me, so I listened to an episode of Africa's podcast, Beyond the Self, that's called, Do You Know What You Stand For? And it's all about determining your personal values and then using those values to guide your decision-making. And 
the idea that if you don't know what your values are, look at your life, look at what's here. And that will show you what your values actually are. And that that's not always for me, that was like, oh, like there are these things that I say that I value that then I are not reflected in my life. And what's about, Mm -hmm. what is that about? And so she talks about the difference between embodied values, which are things that we are living, and then desired values, which are the things that we want to be living. And for me, like this was really illuminating. It's so simple. And yet the word values carries a connotation in my head that is kind of like a bullshit corporate, like meaningless word. Like, because you probably made values at work. Yeah. Like, and values (laughs) and like, you know, and I, in, and working in advertising, like sometimes what you do is you like, you know, you write manifestos that are like value statements for companies. And like, it all just is, it all comes back to kind of nothing. And ultimately with a company, it comes back to at the the bottom line at the end of the day, because it's a, because it's a for-profit enterprise. And so like, you can have these values, but do they, what do they really mean? Anyway, I um, mean, make money. They may make money. And I really appreciated listening to this episode of this podcast of Africa's podcast and ultimately did an exercise for myself that was really clarifying and that has helped my decision making. And so this conversation is really about that, is about her process to determine what your own values are and then how to then use them moving forward in your life to make choices. Yeah. And I thought it was so relieving to get the desired values versus lived values because I think that sometimes that distinction of I value like, you know, some of my desired values are structure or discipline or follow through or community. And I don't have those things. And I think that's like there's a really sweet way of approaching realizing that you can value something and not quite be there yet. But also, if you're not there yet, why? Why is that so? And it's probably because, you know, you're not necessarily prioritizing. But the other piece of this that I thought was really fascinating and helpful was in that podcast, What Do You Stand For? If somebody were to ask me, what do you stand for? I would come up with a lot of labels, you know, of what I stand for. And a lot of like really like almost, you know, like just like specific potentially causes or, you know, like it just like, Mm -hmm. what are my labels? And those are ever changing. And I think that this practice of identifying values and then, you know, this conversation that we have about it, but this practice of identifying values, that's substantive. Like that answers a question when you can when you can like actually think through, this is what I value, and you let that guide your participation in conversations or mm-hmm. your – your well, let's just say that. Your participation in conversations, that's a lot easier than coming up with a real specific argument. And I recommend, first of all, listening to the rest of this episode, but also going back and finding that episode beyond the self about values because Africa has a really great exercise in it that – I both Emily and I did personally. Yeah, we'll link it in the show notes. Yeah. And one of the last things I want to say too, you know, these last two ones, this is about quitting, right? Like this is a podcast about quitting. And I think that this could feel like a leap to talk through some of the things that we're talking about with Africa, but self-censorship, self-sabotage, 
the inability to hear other people or differing opinions, like just even like this idea that we're supposed to talk about every single social issue that comes up on social media. What I have found through Africa's work over the past few years has been this ability to quit certain behaviors that were not serving me and having the permission to be able to quit that. And I think when we're talking about quitted, yes, we're talking about people quitting, you know, very nor- like very understandable things they need to quit, like a job but mm-hmm. or a religion. But here we're also talking about like leaving identities. Yes. Or just quitting behaviors, you know, that behaviors. that and also honestly for me, the first step in quitting something external is quitting something internal. So quitting yeah. a behavior, quitting a thought pattern, those things then lead to making an external move in my life of, you know, quitting a job or quitting a relationship or whatever it is. So they're all really, they all feel really connected. Yeah. This is, her work has helped me quit a lot of things um, that felt impossible to quit. And like, like, <laughs> like what other people think of me. And I haven't fully quit that. I don't think I ever will, but it has definitely helped me to get way more in touch with making sure that I'm in integrity versus worrying about uh, the perception of whether I'm out of integrity. If that makes sense. Mm, that's really well put. So Quitted is a self-funded podcast. We are supported by our members on Patreon. If you like this podcast, if you love this podcast, if you want to keep hearing this podcast, we ask that you join us and help to support our what's the word? Going concern. Um, you can go to patreon.com forward slash quitted. Also, if you cannot afford to help us out financially, but you appreciate this podcast, we also get a lot of help by you simply rating us on Apple Podcasts. And that's just as simple as like subscribing to us, making sure you get a download when our episodes come out, giving us stars or even taking a a few minutes, not 70 seconds, to give us a a review that you write. We deeply appreciate all of your help in this. The shares, the reposts, the financial support, the ratings, the reviews, all of it. We deeply appreciate this community. Thank you for helping us make this happen. Here's Africa. So, I want to ask you, this is what I want to know. I'm just like, I've been listening to your podcast a lot and you're so authoritative. You are so confident. Confident. It's confidence. But Mm -hmm. that there's also an authority there, right? Yeah, you're right. A conviction. A conviction and authority. When I started listening, I mean, I've I've been listening to your work for a long time, but I think like over this past year... I went through this period of time or this past year where I was just terrified of people like, quote unquote, finding out about the real shitty me, you know, that maybe I wasn't always nice or that maybe I used poor judgment or Mm. maybe, you know, like, or like that people could literally say anything they wanted to about me and that people were mad enough at me that like, you know, it could just turn into a snowball effect of like Mm -hmm. of anything, you know? And I'm Mm -hmm. not like I hear, I am, I'm not talking about racism. And I I think like, I want to make clear in a lot of the stuff that we've been Mm -hmm. talking about, this is a really broad subject. And I think that 
Um, I don't want to over-index on yes. racism in this conversation yes. because yes. like it's not it's not about that. And no. it's so much more about how afraid we are of being found out. Like there's this like weird mob of people that are going to show up at any moment and I'm done because they're going to have found mm. me out for the piece of shit that I am. And I had this really great conversation with my friend, Ruthie Lindsay. She said something like, you're giving your power away mm-hmm. to who? Like this unidentifiable source of like anybody that might think I'm a shitty person or think I'm a bad person or think whatever. And the thing that's so ironic about it is like I actually come from my baseline is not like I I work very hard within my own self to not think people are bad. I think people do bad things, but I don't think people are inherently bad. Like I don't want to end somebody because they made perhaps a terrible, horrible, tragic choice. You know, yeah. I am for the people on death row. I am for mm-hmm. any fucking human being that exists. So I think coming back to this, when I look at you and when I looked at you and I was really on the floor with all this and really terrified of the public opinion of me, right? I was just like, how the fuck did she get that way? Like, what the <laughs> fuck happened to her? How is she doing that? Like, how? Like, where did, how did you get so fucking comfortable hmm. in your skin, in yourself? I don't think you're just talk, you know? I think that you you really embody fully your message. You're like, call me and tell me how much you hate what I'm saying. Let's talk about mm-hmm. it. You know, or like like I am not afraid of of being of disagreement. I am not afraid yeah. of saying the wrong thing. Mm-hmm. You actually truly and you can see it. You and you you've kind of always been this way. I mean, you really have always been a very very like tall beam of light. That's how I've always seen you, which is just a very self-confident person that has that thing, but you more so now. And it's so, it's so relaxing, like listening to your podcast, not just because of your voice, but just because of, it feels so easy to like, Mm -hmm. I know it's hard, but there's an ease about it. And I I guess, how did you fucking get that way? Like, have you always (laughs) been this way? (laughs) (laughs) tell me your secrets (laughs) thank you so much for that reflection thank you so much especially coming from you it really does mean a great deal it means so so much because you really are one of my biggest 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 inspirations and yeah it's yeah thank you And, you know, this is going to be really underwhelming. I don't have an answer for that, but I will have to say it really is my sobriety. There's nothing Mm -hmm. else I can can really say apart from that. And the reason I say my sobriety is because in the seven relapses before that and the many other mini relapses and all, all the other fuckery in between that, I really had to meet my darkness. I had to meet my darkness. And I saw the most ugly, messy, disgusting parts of myself, which I, I, I love so much now. I really, really do. But I think it's because I've really seen myself and bared myself and exposed myself in such raw ways, but I've also seen my glory. I've also seen 
just how loving I am. I've also seen just how warm I am and how I can be shy, how I can be funny, how I can, you know, be there for people, how I can be a good lover, a good sister. I've seen so many different sides of myself. And I think being able to maintain sobriety for this long has really given me my confidence because ultimately I'm still, I'm still alive. I get to feel this. So I think I'm willing to not deny myself of truth or, or what I know to be truth. And for me, one of those biggest things is my voice and it's me expressing myself out loud. I, I do think I have the ability to express myself in a mindful way to be convicted, but what I say is not the be all of anything. I am a very curious person. So I allow that curiosity to exist. And if I wasn't sober, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do that. And also just on a more practical level, I've just trained my voice in the sense that I just practice speaking. I remember when I would do interviews and podcasts for the first time and even lives that I could kind of just feel my voice shaking. Mm. Um, And even before that, before I quit the corporate world in 2017, I remember I was starting a new job and I had to introduce myself and I was in front of 20 people uh, and, you know, we were in the briefing, it was Monday and I was introducing myself and my voice was steady. I was confident and, you know, feeling a little bit shy. And then in the end, my line manager, who was just an absolute dick, this guy was just a complete dick. He came to me and he said, um, do you know your hands were shaking so much? And the way he said it was in a way, almost like he wanted me to feel small as Mm. in he, he didn't acknowledge what I had shared or to kind of even make me feel, he just, he was like, did you, did you know that your hands were shaking so much? And there was something within that moment. I don't know what it was, but I decided that I was always going to feel that when I speak, I'm always going to be comfortable in my body. It was almost like I made a decision that every single time that I speak, I'm not just going to be saying the right thing. I'm going to be fully comfortable in my body. And the next year, actually later on that year, that's when I started doing Instagram lives and I started speaking more and doing all of these things. And I would, I just noticed that over time, my hands were no longer shaking anytime that I spoke. And I always just felt completely from my head to my entire body, just completely aligned with what I'm saying. And I did it over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. And now six years on, I think it's, you know, there are some things that come naturally to people, but I also think I'm, I'm just committed to being so in tune with my voice and in, and in speaking my mind in the most respectful and compassionate way Mm. and being very direct as well. But I think it's also because ultimately I've just, I've just shown up to be this person that I've always been. So, yeah, I think it's a it's a combination of all of those things, I think. Mm. Well, and this leads, I think, to a question that I had, which is about values. You did a really mm. wonderful podcast a few weeks ago about values and about the difference between embodied values and desired values. So meaning the things that you wish you valued, but that you don't actually value yet. And it was interesting you said, when you were still drinking, that you would have said that one of your values was wellness. Mm. And then you had to look at yourself and be like, wait a minute, I'm wasted all the time. So like wellness maybe is a desired value, but is that Uh an embodied value? No. You know, and then 
So looking at actually what are the results that you're seeing in your life? Like if you want to know what you value, look at your own life and see what's there. And that's what you value. Mm -hmm. And I don't necessarily, you know, it's funny, that's not always comfortable, right? Like I did that and I was like, ooh, like there are some things that about myself that I don't love that mirror, but I think it's such a good reflection. And so I, I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit. Yeah, of course. And with this one, I'm from my end, I'm going to keep it so brief because I really want to know what came up for you both. Because something that I realized, and I would say this definitely started two and a half years ago when I just started questioning certain things about what I was participating in, how I was using my voice in parts, the regurgitating of certain things that I actually didn't agree with. And it was one of those first moments. It was definitely two and a half years ago. And I would have never thought that I valued popularity until I realized that I'm keeping myself in alignment with certain ideas, certain ideologies even, because I'm valuing popularity over truth. And that was one of the first times that I realized that, you know what, the term values is not just about the corporate world or something that's on a company page it is actually the foundation of who I am as a human being, because if I don't really know what I'm standing for, then everything that's outside of me is always going to influence the decisions that I make, the person that I choose to be with, the friends that I choose to be a part of, the kind of company that I start. And I hadn't even realized just how much I was being swayed by the external until I found it very difficult to even articulate to people what it is that I truly care about. Do I believe in this thing? So as it stands today for me, even when it comes to whether it's politics or ideologies in particular, for me, I realize that I don't need to be attached to any of those things. I don't need to be over attached to labels because I actually know what I stand for. If someone asks me what it is that I value, I'm able to tell them, I'm I'm able to know why and is this actually true? But for me, I think the moment that I realized that I was valuing popularity over truth is when I I knew just how fucking important it was to get honest about what values I'm actually embodying right now. Not what my fantasy self wishes, you know, she had. So that's when I started really just kind of wanting to understand how values work and how the results that we actually see in our lives will show you what it is you truly value, not what you think you do, but what you truly value. Mm-hmm. It's just so brilliant. <laughs> what came up for you both? <laughs> so a really easy one that came up for me where I felt like, oh, I am out of integrity with this is health. I have been for the last few years focusing much more on my health than I used to be. I came out of a period of extreme stress and overwork and just putting my body absolutely last. And then my body eventually said no more. Mental health, physical health just hit a wall. And so I have been really working to treat my body differently, to treat my mind differently, to undo some of what I have had done over the last 20 years of working. But I also, when I think about it, I was like, there is so much that I'm not doing that I could be doing and that I know I should be doing. Like if I'm not exercising, you know, or if I'm exercising twice a week or some, you know, some sort of like small 
bullshit form of exercising. <laughs> like to me, and health can mean different things for different people. Yeah. But I know for a fact that my own body feels better. And inflammation, one of my big things is reducing the inflammation in my body. And that exercise for me reduces the inflammation in my body. And when I am not doing it, even if I'm eating a certain way or taking supplements or like whatever, I can't really say that one of my values is is really is health if I'm not doing that. And that's a, just a really simple one. But that was the first one that came up for me. And it actually, I think I heard that podcast two weeks ago, and it has changed the decisions I've made in the last mm-hmm. two, two weeks. Mm-hmm. It's motivated me to go out and move my body. So I just want to say thank you for that. Yes. Because it's such a simple shift. And it was like, wait a minute. No, this is something that that I, that I really truly believe is important. And so if I'm going to live that, this is what I choose now. I have to choose this over other things Mm -hmm. if this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that sentence. I have to choose this over other things if this is what I believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Have you tried the class yet? No. <laughs> Listen, you gotta class, try class pusher, class evangelist. Oh, it's so good. Not yet. I will. I will. I will. I swear. I can't, I'm I in Italy. I can't do it here because if I did it in any one of these buildings, it would probably like crash through the floor. But like, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of jumping. <laughs> anyway, um, I think for me, it was just the, it was really the labels aspect of this. I think what I was saying to Emily before you got on was just like this idea of like it's it's such a transitory thing. A label is such a transitory thing. It's a thing that yeah. we use in a moment to help us to, you know, like give us structure to who we are or our lives or, you know, and I think that my values really haven't changed that much. I mean, they they have – but not really. I, my values are pretty core. You know, I, mm. I have kind of always loved the idea of like everyone belonging. You know, I've yeah. there are things that I think are really, really crucial to my identity or not my identity, but just what makes me feel good and what makes me come alive. And I think that when I think of labels, you know, like sober or in recovery, right, are, are two very big ones, right? I value those things, but those aren't my core values. Like my core values are integrity. One of your core values is integrity. And it's interesting because I kept that on my active value list. I think that's lived. But (laughs) because I think that like I'm pretty good with it. But also what being good with it is also knowing when it's not lining up, right? Like when when I'm out of integrity and Mm -hmm. I know it. But it's on my temporary – not embodied values list. It's for that reason Uh, that I know that I embody it enough that I know when I'm not embodying it. And so right now it went, it moved recently (laughs) from embodied to desired. (laughs) They're going back and forth. Yeah. But I, I think it's like, for me, it really gave me the scope of like understanding. It's a very simple exercise, right? It's yeah. a simple exercise to say, and I, I borrowed some of yours and I love in your suggestions, you were like, Google what values are. Like, it's yes. really, we. I think that we put these really complicated things in place because we think it has to be so hard to distill mm-hmm. down really simple concepts, but it is mm-hmm. a simple concept. I value 
joy. You know, I value my fucking family, you know, like my family and I live across the coast from them. So that's not an embodied value. I'm not living near my family and my family is a value and community. I'm not investing in developing community. I'm investing in Netflix, you know? And so (laughs) I think (laughs) community was on my desired list too, because that's like, I would love to believe that I value community. But when I look at my life, do I really? No. No. It's just like to, to me. So it did in the same way for Emily, it was like, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to move back to LA. I own a home in New York. It's going to be hard, right? Like it's going to be costly. I'm not necessarily like the best quote unquote place to do it, but also at the same time, I can't build community where I live. I'm far away from my family. I don't value like paying off my mortgage. I don't value things that I'm guided by, but are not the like the end all be all, you know, I'm in Italy right now because I fucking am value. I value like, eating and life and like being out in the world and seeing things like I value spending my money Mm -hmm. that way. And Mm -hmm. it was interesting last night I was walking around and there's all these like, I'm assuming like retirees. And I was just like, there's a lot of it's off season. There's there's, there seems to be a lot of retired couples that are touring right now. And I was just thinking they made a choice. They probably have like a comfortable retirement and I don't have that. And I feel really guilty about making choices like this sometimes, you know, Mm. I'm just like, this isn't the smart thing to do. The smart thing to do is be like, you know, like whatever, like go on a weekend trip to the coast and spend a few hundred bucks. But like, to me, I value actually enjoying my life um, more than I do, you know, security, like in the terms of financial retirement. So thank you for that. It, it just, it's such a really smart practice. Oh, I love that. And just, just hearing you both back um, just reminds me why it is important just to be able to articulate, even if it's one of them, even if it's one of them, because something that I was saying in the episode was that we know all of these things intuitively. And unfortunately, we usually wait until our boundaries are crossed or we have crossed our own boundaries to be like, oh, I actually value that thing. And I didn't even know that I value my freedom this much, that I value my autonomy this much, or that I do value my family so much. But maybe now they decided to go on a quick trip without me because they think I don't really care. I usually say no, but now that they've, you know, they've just decided to go without me because they thought I wouldn't want to come. I realized, Oh, I actually value being with them. So Mm -hmm. I think just having language to it is so important because in our, just our everyday lives, even the things we own, the places that we go to every day, uh, the friends that we speak to the most, it all shows you who you value. And what you value. So it's just, I I think it's such an interesting daily exercise. Mm -hmm. So interesting. Yeah. And I love also just having the understanding that you can't value everything, right? Like that there's so many things that I want to value. Like you can only hold so, so much and you you only have a certain amount of attention and time Mm -hmm. and resources. So like, okay, where do they go? Like what's the most important and, yes. you know, not everything can be the most important. And I think it's so important. And like, you know, I am one of those people who thought about value. When I heard the word values, 
I would think of like some dumb corporate conversation, right? Like a mission statement on a wall that like means nothing. (laughs) Like, you know, ultimately you value like, sure, everyone wants to be a nice place to work, but like really (laughs) you you value your bottom line because you're a company. So like the word value sort of inherently... Yeah, it feels like bullshit to me when I think about it in that context, which is how I had always thought about it. Me too. And so coming at it from the perspective that you brought was so helpful for me because it was like, oh no, dummy, like this is actually a framework for you to figure out how to live your life. Like this helps you make decisions. This is yeah. very valuable. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I love that actually. Yeah. Because essentially if you're to even just simplify the word values, to me, it's you knowing what it is you actually stand for, which I think is a really strong way to kind of make you remember in each moment. But I also, you're absolutely right. It's a great, it allows you to make more empowered and informed decisions. So it's really good if you want to strengthen your decision-making process, which a lot of people want to, you know, so yeah. I think that's a really important point you just said, because I forgot about it. Actually, it was in an episode called What Do You Stand For? And I think that like coming back to it, you know, we had you on because we wanted you to talk about like quitting really self-censorship, right? And how you have, I mean, because you're an example of that. Like you really have done the work of um, the work that you talk, I mean, it's clear the work that you talk about, you know, and, and, and what you do as a coach or as a writer, or as a podcaster. But I think that is really interesting, right? Because that, that episode, maybe you can talk about just a little bit of this as, a, as the last piece of this. Um, I love this because you talked about values as helping to determine what do you actually stand for. And as this way of being in the world of getting to not just being performative, right? And not just saying the things that you think you're supposed to say or acting in the way you think you're supposed to act, but actually existing and being very intentional by knowing what you stand for and that we don't think enough of our values. So we aren't informed enough by our own values when coming to our microphones or doing anything. So can you talk just a little bit about that? Because I thought that correlation of, of doing the values exercise in order to help determine how to show up in the world mm-hmm. and what to invest in is really important. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason why I always actually recommend that episode to people, or even when I work with clients or when I work with teams, it's usually one of the first things we do, because I I do think it informs everything else, especially if we kind of link this back to self-censorship for you to be able to begin that process. Because I think when people think about self-censorship, right, or undoing self-censorship, it's always a, so what do I say? When do I know what the right thing to say is? People really want that strategy, Mm -hmm. but there's an internal process that happens before that. And I think it's impossible to even get to the point of expressing yourself mindfully and confidently if you don't know what it is you stand for, if you don't know what your values are. Because also, if we use that example of feeling pressured to share certain things or to use your voice in this way, if you know what your values are, if you know that your value is integrity, before you even react and share something that you're you're not completely sure on whether you sharing this is actually useful before you parrot or regurgitate things that you've heard because you think it's the right thing to say, you actually consult Mm. yourself. You consult yourself on things that you actually know internally on what your values are. And you ask yourself, okay, 
based on what I do actually value, not what I want to value or wish I did, what I do actually value, is this the right action to take? Mm-hmm. So you, so I think it's a really beautiful filtering system as well. And it can sound so simple, but it's usually the simple things that are most impactful. So I think the reason why the value stuff is actually really fucking important, knowing what it is you stand for, because it informs everything else. And it's such a deeply internal process that needs to be in place before you can externalize. Because I think we're always in such a rush to externalize. What do I say? What do I do? Do I share this? Do I not? Mm-hmm. So it's almost like we're asking externally, hoping someone else will step in and say, oh, this is what you should do. Or someone shames you and guilts you into taking an action before we even consult ourselves. And I think that consulting system is is a value system that's well-defined. I hate to be that guy, but it reminds me of this quote by Stephen Cope. That says, when you know who you are, you will know how to act. And I Mm. love that quote. He's talking Mm. about the Bhagavad Gita and he's talking about, you know, a lot of other stuff that we're probably kind of not talking about, but maybe are. But the whole idea of it is that like this, this distilling down into what's true for you, like to really getting into knowing who you are. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Means you will know how to act given the opportunity. Yes. I love that so much because I always think about all of this as, um, it's a combination of mindset and your inner world and then strategy, right? Which is the external. Again, I know I just said this, but it's worth repeating. We rush so much to the strategy, which is why self-help books do so fucking well, right? Mm -hmm. We want a guide. We want like a listicle. We Mm -hmm. want the bullet points. Just help me. Tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Please help. Please help me. Please. Tell me what to fucking do. BuzzFeed, give me five ways. Please. Yeah. (laughs) Wait, is BuzzFeed self-help? Sometimes BuzzFeed is just listicles. Listicles. BuzzFeed is so like you know ten ways to do whatever. Use it to like know if I was born in the eighties. You know that kind of shit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's more fun when you learn to consult yourself, which is which is how I I like to put it. It's Mm. just a. It's much better. And it doesn't mean that you're not open to the external and people pointing out your blind spots or you feeling a little bit of discomfort because of something you've seen externally and then it helps you to make a decision. All of that can happen simultaneously, but you have to have a strong foundation within yourself. You absolutely have to, especially, I I also think of this as urgent because just of the time that we're in, Mm -hmm. where there's so much information, the polarization and division is insane. Mm -hmm. And when I think of things like, um, and this is a totally separate conversation, I'm sure, but when I think of how digitalized our lives are, but how, where we're heading with things like the metaverse, et cetera, where it is going to get even more intense, it's really Mm -hmm. important that as individuals and then as a collective, we really have that strong baseline where we're able to think critically, where we're able to actually ask ourselves questions before we react, where we're able to take that space to respond, where we're able to really just allow all of that internal stuff to happen first from a grounded place, even when, you know, some things are urgent and it's time sensitive, but it's a constant training. And I I do, again, think just knowing even your most basic values, even three or four just acts as that guiding system for all of the things that are happening externally. Cause there's a, there's a lot happening. Mm-hmm. There's a lot happening. And I know that a lot of people are so confused. They're taking different 
types of information from here, there and everywhere, you know, so-called experts, whoever the most confident person is, and people are losing self-trust so rapidly, which I think ultimately this is, this is all about. I think having strong values and practicing them and noticing them and being honest about whether you're actually embodying them and living them out is really important to build up that self-trust again. It is, it is. And I think when you have that, you're more able to hear different people when your whole Uh worldview isn't isn't like shaky, but when it's actually the stable ground of your own self-understanding, you aren't flapped by like people coming at you and saying you're wrong or I disagree, right? Like you're able to take that in because you have such a strong relationship with yourself and then you're able to actually hear other perspectives. There's this whole like idea from Ken Wilber's work, which talks about egocentricity and ethnocentricity and world centricity. And that it's like a laddering thing in that the more that we develop, right, the more that we actually do our own self-development, the more able we are to not be threatened by completely different ideas than ours. That's huge. That's huge. I just, this was so, it's been 90 minutes and, <laughs> oh, almost, and it does not feel like that. Um, not no. at all. You are, I mean, you're just so smart. I like what I love is, you know, I loved that I helped you at some point along the way and that yes. you've helped me and you really Gosh. have because I was telling Emily the other day, I can't remember where it was, but somebody said something about, I'm so glad you said that. Or like when, when somebody says the thing and they're like, she said it, or we're like, we're so it's grateful a relief. that like someone it's a, it's said it. It's a relief it. that someone said the thing. Right. Yes. And then that woman said, well, why weren't you saying it? You know, why weren't you the one that was saying it? And I think that I, that's a, that was just a hack job of what I was trying to convey, but <laughs> I Um, but I think like, oh, thank you for saying it, you know, and I I think that I listen, your podcast is now my favorite podcast. I didn't even know you had a fucking podcast until we had you on this podcast. You need, I think you maybe need to advertise it better. I don't know. I mean, the algorithm, whatever, but it's so good. It's called Beyond the Uh. Self. And I think everybody needs to listen to it, not just because it's really relaxing, but also because it's just every episode is a you know, it's, it's just like a, I almost said a grocery store, but sure. Like a grocery store of new ideas. Mm. Um, <laughs> oh, I love that. I like that. And it's like the Safeway of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> that should be my tagline. New tagline. New tagline. Write that down. It. Write that down. It's really great. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Thank you. Oh, I appreciate that so much. That means a whole lot. That means a whole lot to me. Thank you. Both of you. Thank you so much, really. Thank you, Africa. This has been so wonderful. Yeah. A treat for both (laughs) of us, for everyone listening. Yeah. And you can find Africa Brooke on Instagram. What's your Instagram handle? Is it just Africa Brooke? Yes, it's Africa Brooke with an E at the end. No, it was actually Blackout Bell. It was That's Blackout right. Bell. Yes. Oh my God. That's right. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. It was Blackout Bell for, I think, the first six months. Okay. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And so it's at Africa Brook, E at the end of Brook. You have a website. You don't write too much there, but you can find your essay. Yes. Um, what is your, it's your website? There. My website is africabrook.com. And I'm going to be starting a blog actually next month. So I'm going to be moving a lot of my writings from Instagram and just expanding on it there. Because I think it's, I, I think long form, there are still many of us that love long form. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. So yes. Yeah. yeah. Me too. I love long form. <laughs> and also Beyond the Self, which you can find, I think, on all podcast apps. Yes. But thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, my loves. Thank you. You've been listening to Quitted, a podcast about quitting. Hosted by Holly Whitaker and Emily McDowell. Our music is by Michael Blumenfeld. Our sound engineer is Adam Day. And our producer is Kathleen Kissich. Quitted is made possible by us and by our listeners. To support the show, join our patron community at patreon.com forward slash quitted. <laughs>